When Jesus says something to you, you have got to take your human emotion and perspective out of it and by faith say, okay, Lord, it's not going to end in death, but it is going to end in glory. Okay. I am going to choose to believe that rather than what I see. It's time now for the Autumn Mile Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you for another super awesome, amazing, wonderful week here at the Autumn Miles Show. God bless you to all of you. Thank you for joining me. I feel like I the Lord keeps talking to me about what I'm going to talk about after the break. So um, I keep writing notes down, but um, it's going to be a good day today. I can't wait to open God's word and let it feed your soul as it has fed mine already this morning. A lot of things happening over here. I want to thank all of you guys. I feel like we're getting a lot of what's God doing in your world emails. We have an amazing testimony today after the break. I love that we have that. Every time Amanda pulls one up, she's like, Autumn, you're not going to believe this one. It's so good. So if God has been working in your life, I want you to send a hello at Autumn Miles dot com and email and tell us about it and hopefully we can feature it on the podcast thank you for doing that thank you thank you thank you also thank you to all of our donors out there you really are making a difference and thank you for donating it's happening guys and uh we really really appreciate it if this ministry has touched your heart go give us a little donation it only if the holy spirit leads you only if he leads you. But if he has, and you have done that, thank you so much. I love, love, love it. I have so many things that I could talk to you about today, about what God is doing in my life. And what is he doing in my life? I've got a story that I'm going to tell you about my son, Moses. But before I get to that, we fast a lot. I fast a lot. I just, I love it. I realized years ago, Goodness, I don't even know. Maybe in 2002, 2001, I was a preacher's kid, you know, raised a preacher's kid and the whole thing. And I had heard about fasting because my dad would talk about it, but never implemented it until after I asked Jesus to become my savior and realized how effective fasting is. And it's become a very regular part of my life. It's a very regular part, even of our kids' lives. We have taught them to fast as well. The little ones, not yet. uh, They know about it. They know we're doing it, all those things. But um, they have not started fasting yet. But the older kids have. And Eddie and I just fasted, started fasting. And I tell you the story because it's over. I don't don't like to tell people when it first happens. But I'm telling you the story because it's over. We started fasting at the beginning of the year, and I kind of, sometimes I'm like, Lord, you tell me when. Because sometimes when we're praying and we're fasting for something, we don't know when God's, it's already done. Like It's, it's unnecessary for us to pray about it anymore. He's already answered it. The answer is on the way. We, we kind of don't know what's happening in the heavenlies. Now, we have inklings through the Holy Spirit, but we kind of don't know. And so for this fast specifically, I was telling the Lord, you know what? You tell me when. I kind of had a vague date in mind that I was going to end, but you tell me when. I have never fasted longer for than 40 days. I have I did have done a 40-day fast before, though, but never done longer than that. I said, you know, Lord, you tell me when. You tell me when. And so we fasted. Eddie was fasting. My kids fasted for a short period of time. And last Friday... Eddie and I went on a trip and he was like, you know, I think I'm going to break my fast because I feel like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to break my fast. I still feel like I might need to need to fast. And it was, I started praying literally instantly. We were walking around and I'm like, Lord, is this the time? Is this the time? Confirm it. And I'm really big on numerology. You guys know I'm getting my master's of divinity, but I'm really big in new biblical. (laughs) Let me just clarify biblical numerology because everything in the Bible means something. And I counted and it had been 25 days since I started my fast. 
And I just thought, I'm going to look up a number 25 represents because I know a lot of the numbers, but 25, I don't, I've never like studied that before. And I opened my little handy dandy little <laughs> website that I go to to look at this stuff because it can be trusted. This one, this specific one can. And 25 means grace upon grace. And I do know what the number five represents. It means grace. Grace, our daughter Grace is named Grace. I know what five represents. Every time I see a five, I know it means grace. And 25 was just so special because we have been through such a crazy year. And it was like God was saying, not only have I given you grace, I have given you grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, because 25 is five times five. So I thought that was a really, really cool little story. And I just want to encourage you. This is a side note. This is not what's happening in my life. I have another story for you, but I encourage you, those of you that need a breakthrough in any area of your life. I mean, you know, if your eye twitches, like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> if, you know, you have a foot problem, I, I, it can be so small. It can be so small. If you have, like, you have a struggle with one of your kid's coaches. I mean, I don't know what it is. Fast about it. Pray about it. This is a supernatural discipline that gets supernatural results. And a lot of times it's so crazy because a lot of times we have no idea how God is going to do what he's going to do. We just by faith sacrifice ourselves and he honors that. There's no explanation as to why fasting could work other than God says it does. It's like, it's not a science. It's not like it is a supernatural principle that God has said works. Therefore, we do it, and it does. I, I can't even explain it. But I just feel really compelled. If you've never fasted before, fast for one meal. That's nothing, okay? There's a lot of trendy, like, weight loss fasting. I'm not talking about that, guys. I'm not talking about the weight loss, like, fast, like, whatever. I'm talking about a spiritual fast. Fast for a meal, Fast for a meal for a week. See what God does. Start small. Fast sugar. Fast. I'm always like a big believer on you fast your needs, not luxury. I'm not a huge fan of fasting social media for, you know, an hour. No, that's, not, that's a luxury, guys. It's not a need. That's how I feel. You do what you feel. That's how I feel. No judgment. I'm just saying food you need. So obviously check with your doctor and all of those things before that, but it's too good for me not to promote it here. It's too good. Jesus fasted. I mean, there's lots of fasts in the Bible. If you need, and you are seeking a huge breakthrough in your life, fast. And when you fast, supplement that craving for that thing you're fasting with prayer. I ended up breaking my fast because I saw, I was like, Eddie, oh my gosh, look at what 25 means, grace upon grace. And then I'm like crying as I'm walking in a random place. <laughs> and everyone's like, she's so weird. What's wrong with her? That day, that day that Eddie and I decided to break our fast, we had two huge things that we were praying about during our fast answered in the same day. So it works. Do it. There you go. That's my little pre-sermon. <laughs> Maybe a little bit different today. I want to tell you what is happening in my life with my kids. So, so cool. My Our parenting style is, I don't ever want you to leave me. <laughs> ever. But I want to prepare you to leave whenever that is. And um, we've really been working hard on Grace. Obviously, you guys know I've talked at length about her going to college here soon. Jude, we're preparing the same exact way. I don't ever want him to leave, but that's not reality, people. Eventually, your kids are going to leave. And I think, you know, successful parenting to me is teaching them the disciplines and things that they need in order to be successful out there. Like, you know, how to do your laundry, how to separate laundry. 
how to make a dinner for yourself so you can survive <laughs> and I don't have to be there. How to clean, like actually clean, deep clean, you know, get out the Comet and the toilet bowl cleaner. Those types of things are really important. How do you get gas as a woman late at night? All of those things, you know, we're teaching, we're in the really teaching our kids and it's trickling down to the younger kids. And this bless my heart, y'all, so much. I got up this morning my kids take baths in the morning, and so, unless they're dirty, unless they've been, like, rolling around in mud or something, which Haven would never do. But Moses, that's pretty normal. <laughs> uh, but I always get them up first thing in the morning. They take a shower, they you know, whatever, and uh, get them ready. And then I'll go, you know, brush my hair and all that kind of stuff, make my coffee, whatever. And I came into our kitchen Moses took like a turbo shower, which I don't know how thorough it was, but it doesn't matter because he blessed my heart. I came into the kitchen and he looked at me and he said, I made breakfast for myself. And I said, baby, that is awesome. You know, I love that. Now they know how to do the basics. Like they've known since they were five, how to make toast and stuff like that. But he said, I also made breakfast for Haven. <laughs> Isn't that not the cutest thing ever? And I look over and she eats pancake sausage, like little corn dog. They're not corn dogs. They're pancakes that sausage is wrapped in. Like that looks like a corn dog. I don't know if you have those at your house, but we get them at Sam's Club and they're the bomb. They're amazing. But um, he had heated it up for her. She likes orange juice. So he got her orange juice and he made himself an apple juice because he likes apple juice. And he was making himself some toast. And I said, buddy, you made you guys breakfast? And he said, yes, I just wanted to be helpful. <laughs> How precious is that? I mean, this kid is like everything. He's my kid that like all the other kids want to be on my social media. He don't care. He just, he's, he's usually, you know, rolling in the dirt somewhere or fishing or whatever. He's not my kid that's like, you know, he's not, he's not an attention seeker, I wouldn't say. But I just feel like I want to honor him because that blessed my heart so much. And sure enough, I looked over and it was like really, really precious. And we have instilled that in him, you know, do something for other people. And here it is. It's like 6 a.m. in the morning and he's making breakfast for his sister. And I make breakfast for them every day. So anyway, it blessed my heart. I love that kid so much. He is ugh, so delicious. So anyway, that is what's happening in my life. That was a lot. But you know what? I really felt compelled to tell you both of those things. We'll come back after the break and we're going to talk about my boy, Lazzy, Lazarus. We're going to talk about him. He's one of my faves. And I think I have something really cool to share with you guys. Okay, we'll see you in a bit. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. The potential for God to change lives is clear. Autumn Miles has a mission to spiritually challenge the way people think. The Autumn Miles Show and Autumn Miles Ministries are 100% listener supported by those who have already been blessed by God's Word. Would you like to see others experience the change that you have already experienced? Consider being a financial partner with this life-changing ministry. Simply go to autumnmiles.com and click the Donate tab. While you're there, check out all the aspects of this dynamic work. Thank you for supporting Autumn with your prayers and by being a financial partner. God bless you. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. I love my boy, Laz. I love him, Lazarus. I almost named a kid Lazarus, but Eddie wouldn't let me. <laughs> Maybe if we have a dog, I'll name my dog Lazarus, because I just love him so much. It, he is, he's like, like, this story is, like, amazing in scripture. So um, he would not let me name our anyone Lazarus and I think I should be allowed to name a boy Lazarus but we're not having any more kids so 
Let me offer that to a baby name for you. If you are pregnant, would you consider the name Lazarus? Because the story is unbelievable. Anyway, I want to talk to you about Lazarus in a little bit of a different way. Now, I think that there's, I have preached this particular passage of scripture a lot of different ways over the years, like so many. But there's a couple things I want to point out to you today that I've never highlighted uh, specifically. I want to talk to you about your Lazarus has a purpose. Now, we're going to read the text here in a minute, but this is the overarching theme that I want you to get. Whatever Lazarus that you have in your life has a purpose. Now, let me tell you the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, best friends with Jesus, okay? Lazarus and his sisters were were best buddies with Jesus. Lazarus gets sick. He eventually dies. And Jesus resurrects him. That was the spoiler, okay, of the text we're about to read. But when I say Lazarus has a purpose, I want you to have that story in mind as we go through and sort of look through the various pieces of this text. Because I want you to identify what in your life is dying, sick. This does not just have to be your body, okay? Is it your emotions? Is your mind? Are are you run away with anxiety? What in your mind is sick or what in your life has died? That's not just a person, okay? This could be your belief that you'll reconnect with your daughter. This could be a lot of different things. Your finances look pretty dead. (laughs) You don't have enough to make it to the end of the month. This could be your desire to go to church. Whatever it is, I want you to look at what is your Lazarus? What is something that is sick or dead in your life? And we are going to apply the principles Jesus gave us in this text to that thing. Okay. I want today to specifically focus on what Jesus said. Okay. We're going to go through this whole text. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to go back and solely focus on what Jesus said. So let's pick it up. John 11 says this, John 11. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus. I want you to insert what in your life is sick. Maybe you don't have any problems. I do. I know there's lots of things in my life that are kind of like, they could use some antibiotics. You know what I mean? Um, A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, He whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of God may be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you and you're going to go there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, He does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Verse 11, this he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. 
Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Okay. I'm going to stop it right there because this sets up exactly what I was just speaking about. Okay. He's sick, but he's not dead. But Jesus knows what's getting ready to happen. He's not dead, but he's getting ready to die. And it's important for Jesus that he dies. (laughs) Okay. This is very strange and very counter what we want to believe about Jesus at all. Okay. He went through healing everyone. But in this particular case, it was important that Jesus stayed longer and allowed Lazarus to die. That sounds harsh, and yet that's what happened. I want to specifically focus on Jesus, okay? Verse 17, I'll pick it up in 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. So they turn around, they go to Bethany. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord. If you would had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Listen to what Jesus is saying. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. Now, Mary gets involved and she says the same thing Martha does. Hang with me because this is really, I'm going to end this really, really good. Lord, she says, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's not necessarily true. Jesus was Jesus and Jesus died. So that's not true. Okay. That's not necessarily true. He had the power to heal Lazarus. He didn't have to be there to heal Lazarus. He had the power to heal Lazarus far away. He could have just sent word, thought a thought, done anything. He could have healed Lazarus no matter what. Okay. And we saw him doing that in the rest of the gospels, but they believed that the only way that Lazarus could be healed was if Jesus was actually present in Bethany at their house to heal him. And that's not necessarily true. Okay. Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping. And he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Yes, he could have. The Jews were not wrong. He could have. If he wanted to do it, he 100% could have done it. They were right. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time, he's going to stink. 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you know that you always hear me, but because of these people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you have sent me. He then said this, Lazarus, come forth. The man who died, 44, bound by his hand and his foot with wrappings, his face was wrapped around him with a cloth, came forth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw that he, what he had done, believed. Now, that's the story really, really fast. It's important for me to read that 
Because what we're going to do now is go back and let Jesus speak to your Lazarus. We oftentimes in this story, and I love this story, (laughs) we get caught up in the emotions of the story. And the questions of the humans that surround the story and the pomp and circumstance that happens after the death of a person in Jewish tradition. We get caught up in the fact that Jesus wasn't there. How could he not have been there? What in the world? We get so caught up in everything that's happening around this story rather than zeroing in and focusing very specifically on G- what Jesus was saying out of his mouth about Lazarus. Okay? Today, you've got your little Lazarus in your mind. Okay? What is that? I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, you know what it is. If you've got one, you know what it is. Today, I want you to try to separate your human emotion your thoughts, your expectation of Jesus. I want you to separate, try, just for one second, try to compartmentalize how you feel versus what Jesus is about to say, okay? Because when we intermingle how we feel, a lot of times it will contradict what Jesus says. And it's very important for us to zero in and focus in on the words of Jesus and let those words bring us life and be our guide in situations where we are dealing with a Lazarus. Okay, so we're going to focus on the red letter version of John 11. What did Jesus say? It will give us insight into our own Lazarus. Okay, we're going to go back. Here we go. Verse four. Jesus had just gotten word. Lazarus is sick. Verse four. But when Jesus heard this, this is what he said. The sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of God may be glorified. That is a great way to start this this whole narrative about chronicling red letter Jesus and applying that to our Lazarus, okay? Jesus, Lazarus is dead. This is his response, or he's dying, or this is sick. What is sick in your life right now? What are, where are you about to lose? And you think it's gonna die, or you think something's gonna happen. Apply Jesus's red letter words to that thing. What did he say? The sickness, verse four, is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of man may be glorified by it. I have claimed this passage of scripture a lot. This is not going to be the end of me. When I'm faced with something that I'm like, well, this is sick in my life. (laughs) Or this situation, bad. It looks like things are going down the tubes. Looks like there's going to be the death of a career, the death of a this, the death of a that here. When I am looking at something that is desperate, I have so many times applied these words of Jesus to it. This is what he said to Lazarus. The sickness is not going to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of man may be glorified by it. It's not going to be the end of you. If you have an ally, a father, a savior, a deliverer, and Jesus, it is not going to be the end of you. If you have Jesus, then you have hope, no matter what the circumstances look like. Now, the sisters were flopping and quacking, and they were super upset, and everyone was like, well, this is really bad. Everyone was upset except for Jesus. Yeah, okay, he's sick, got it. Well, it's not going to end in death. I can tell you that. Can you just see Jesus saying it very matter-of-factly? But it is going to be for the glory of God. It's not going to end in death. It won't, it won't destroy you. It won't. That's Satan. 
steal, kill, destroy. It's not going to destroy you, but it will bring glory to God. Let me ask you something. Do you understand that maybe the Lazarus that you are housing, hosting, holding, maybe that thing was allowed to bring God glory? Now, a lot of us don't want to, um, we don't want to think like that. We don't think Jesus might deliver, and he is a deliverer, but it's his decision when to deliver, how to deliver, through what avenue to deliver. That is his decision. And most of the time, it's never the same. You could be facing the same situation, and he'll deliver you 45 different ways from it. Apply red letter Jesus words to your Lazarus. It's not going to be the end. It's not going to end in death, but it is going to be for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified. Receive that today. Let hope spring up in your heart today. Okay? This isn't going to take me out. But the way God delivers me is going to bring him glory. And I'll have no part in the glory. Only God can claim that glory. That's the first thing that he said. Verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer. Now Jesus isn't talking here, but he knows what he's doing. Everyone knows what he's doing in the place where he was. I don't think he had to say much more after the sickness is not going to end in death, but it is going to be for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified by it. It is going to end in glory. It's not going to end in death, but it is going to end in glory. He didn't have to say nothing. Mic drop. There you go. And it was the disciples and Mary and Martha that had to believe what he said was fact. They should have separated their emotions from what was actually what looked like it was happening from what Jesus said. See, this is where we get into trouble. We use our emotions And we try to make sense of what Jesus said, but they had no idea what was getting ready to happen. When Jesus says something to you, you have got to take your human emotion and perspective out of it and by faith say, okay, Lord, it's not going to end in death, but it is going to end in glory. Okay. I am going to choose to believe that rather than what I see. Verse seven. Then after this, he said to the disciples, red letter, let us go to Judea again. He had waited. He didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, not this time. Saddle up. Let's, let's go. It's time. Come on. The first thing he said was not going to end in death. It's going to end in glory. And the second thing he says was, let us go. Let's go. The time is now. We got to giddy up. We got to get a move on. Red letter. Now, the disciples at this point, he had waited. They didn't know he was dead because of the rest of the narrative. But they're thinking, why now? (laughs) You got the little, you know, letter. You got the email two days ago, Jesus. Why now? Because that was God's timing. Let's go. And I want to tell you something. Red letter. Separate how you feel out of what is happening in your life. Red letter. Let us go. It's time. We got to go. I got something to do. I got some work. The glory of God is at stake here. I got to giddy up. I got to get there. My timer just went off. Let's do it. There is going to be a time when Jesus says the time is now to operate and nothing can keep him from operating in your Lazarus or for your Lazarus or for you about your Lazarus in your situation. Jesus knew the specific time that he needed to go back in order for God to get the supreme glory. And the time had come and it was now. So what do we have so far? The sickness is not going to end in death, not happening, but it is going to end in glory. Number two, it's time. He's not forgotten about you. It's coming. He's not, you know, putting you on the back burner. The time hasn't come. Okay. Sometimes when we wait, it's like we think God forgot about us. No, the, the time has not come. Even Jesus came when the fullness of time had come. The time just hasn't lapsed yet in order for him to come. He's going to come in his time based on his glory. He's going to come. Let's go. Giddy up. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. He had a specific plan of what was going to go down. 
Glory. Okay, time's now. Let's go. Pack it up. Get your fruit roll-ups. Get your Chipotle. Get your water. Your Stanley Cup. Let's go. Knowing that when the time has come, he will he will come. He encourages me. We're going to skip this next part. Verse 11. This he said after he said that to them. He said, red letter. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him. Red letter. This is Jesus talking. We're only talking about the red letters today. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him. Verse 12, it's important for context. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of his literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, people. He's dead. This red letter encourages me. What do we got first? The first thing we got is not going to end in death. It is going to end in glory. Let me bring you some hope. Second thing it says is giddy up. It's time to go to Judea right now. The time is now. Nothing's going to stop me. The third thing he said after we skipped over the last part. In verse 11, he says, our friend Lazarus is, uh, has fallen asleep. And verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead plainly. This tells me this. God knows intimately, specifically, even when others don't, what is going on in your situation. God knows what you don't know. God sees all sides of your situation. He knows the precise moment that Lazarus died. He knew that he died without getting a letter or telegram or an email or a text message or a direct message. He, he knew all of those things. He was intimately acquainted with Lazarus' situation. And he knew specifically what was happening when nobody else did. Here's the thing. In your situation with your Lazarus, you don't even know what's all happening. You don't even know what all situations and circumstances and people are in play and things are at play and things that are at risk. You don't even know. But this red letter uh, statement of Jesus gives me hope for my Lazarus because he knows more about my problem than I do. Apply that. You think you've got it figured out and you think you're like, well, I have a perfect solution for whatever I'm dealing with. And if Jesus would just get on my page, on the right page, then, um, you know, he could fix it. No, 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 no. He knows it better than you do. The disciples had no clue. <laughs> Clueless. But Jesus was very aware of what was happening in Bethany. Verse 15 blows my mind red letter. Apply these red letters to your Lazarus. I'm glad red letter just from Jesus for your sake that I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. This is so powerful. I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad he died. I'm glad. Now, this can be confusing if you're like, what? God is glad that Lazarus died? Well, first of all, he knew how it was going to end because he had already told them it's not going to end in death. It's going to end in glory. The second thing is this. He knew that their faith needed a major steroid shot before he died. So he allowed Lazarus to die in order to show them that he was capable of resurrection. That's good. I'm glad, not for my sake, for your sakes, that I wasn't there. So that you may believe. Jesus is clearly saying here, some of y'all's faith ain't what you think it is. You're not all that, okay? Um, some of you guys need a little more faith muscle, it's a good thing that this has happened because this is going to strengthen your faith and you're going to need it because Jesus knew what was coming. But let us go to him.
apply that to your Lazarus. Have you ever thought of what you're facing is actually a good thing? Friday, my husband looked at me. We're having a conversation about life. And he said, we're talking about one specific situation in our life. And he goes, that had to happen, didn't it? And, you know, I'm sitting there going, of course I did. That had to happen. And he said, I needed that to happen. Now, in the moment when that, in quotation marks, when that thing was happening, he did not like it. He did not think it was good. It was not good. It had no hope. It was really, 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 really bad. But now that we're removed from that some time and the Holy Spirit has come in and churned and sifted and uprooted and tilled his heart, now he can look back and say, that had to happen. My faith needed that to happen. My character needed that to happen. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Have you ever looked at something bad as actually good in disguise? What if your Lazarus is the best thing that ever happened to you? I'm serious. I can tell you time and time and time again of things that were a Lazarus that I thought this is awful only (laughs) for them to turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Our adoption is one of them. We got scammed two years later. We got scammed for a purpose because we got Moses and Haven and those were our children. I remember getting rejected by I Am Rahab. No, I didn't get rejected. They were actually going to take the book. A specific publisher was going to take the book. But they said, I have to change a lot of things. And they're an amazing publisher. But I just said, I just don't feel right about it. And I thought, this is terrible. No one's ever going to pick it up. No one's ever going to let me write. I love this. This is this book needs to be written. It was awful. And then I met with a publisher who said, no, we love it exactly how it is. And they published the book. Listen. What are you facing? I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Sometimes things have to happen the way that they happen in order to increase our faith, to strengthen us on the inside or for God to get the glory. I know this is in the context of separating how you feel from what God said. If God sees something in you, if Jesus sees something in you that needs strengthening, your faith needs strengthening because he sees what lies ahead, don't you want him to love you enough to allow something to happen to strengthen it? That's what he was doing for these disciples. Peter got crucified upside down. I mean, John was boiled, but he wouldn't die. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And then he wrote Revelation. I mean, these guys were martyrs at, well, John, they tried to kill him, but he just wouldn't die. They suffered for Jesus later. They needed to see that Jesus was who he said he was, and he was capable of resurrection. I'm glad you need this. You need this. Martha enters the scene. She sees Jesus, and she runs up to him because he's coming, because giddy up, it's time to go. Well, he arrives. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's not true. That's what we think. God, you missed it. You didn't, if you were just here, if you just would have showed up on time, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have delivered me the way I want. Now, that is a humanistic standpoint. Could Jesus had saved him if he was there? Absolutely, he could have, but he could have done it far away. All right. He chose not to do it. All right. Jesus said to her, what did he say? She's freaking out. She's mad because she thinks he turned up four days too late. And what did he say? He say, what did he say? Now her emotions say, what did he say? Your brother will rise again. That's all he said. You will rise again. I need that. Your brother's going to rise again. It's going to happen. She flops a little bit more. I know that he will rise again to the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, red letter, apply this to your Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's looking at Martha and he's saying, 
here you put your trust in me being here when I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And I am about to do something that you'll never forget. It will be legendary until the end of time. And you're going to have a front row seat. I am the resurrection. You don't need all of these other things that you think that you need. Woman, you need to look at me and believe that I am capable of doing the craziest, hardest, most ridiculous thing ever. And then he says this, do you believe this? (laughs) Talk about, I don't know. I don't know, Jesus. Do I believe this? And let me ask that to you. Red letter Jesus, apply that to your Lazarus. Do you believe right now that he is capable, able, and willing to resurrect your situation in whatever way he defines resurrection for you. Do you believe that right now? Red letter. Apply his words to your situation. Do you believe it? Do you see how when we take the emotions, the frustration, the situation out of it and kind of compartmentalize our human reactions, we hear stability, peace, reassurance, truth, and power. The enemy wants to cloud our minds with the narrative of the disciples of Mary and of Martha and the Jews and all of these people. He wants to cloud us. And he wants us to focus on that and those things, the emotions therein, rather than the few statements that Jesus said. When you have a Lazarus in your life, no matter what that is, your focus should be, what did Jesus say? Red letter. Mary comes, has a little convo with Jesus. She says the same thing. If you would have been there. The next statement that he makes is in 34 and it says, where have you laid him? Jesus is getting in there. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm here. I'm going in. I'm going to do what I came here to do. The next thing he says is remove the stone. I love this because I feel like there is always when we're facing the Lazarus, a financial Lazarus of, you know, work Lazarus or medical, physical Lazarus. There's always something that he has to remove. There's always something that is a barrier between deliverance and not remove the stone. He goes in there and he uh, makes this statement to Martha. He says, did I not say that if you believe you would see the glory of God? Didn't I, didn't I tell you that? Yes, you did. (laughs) He hadn't done the miracle yet. He was about to, but he hadn't done it yet. And Jesus has a gentle reminder for this dear sister. Did I say that? Do you remember that? I need you to remember that because you're not going to remember much after I get do what I'm getting ready to do. Do you remember that I am the resurrection in life? Do you believe this? Do you believe? They removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and then he prayed. He prayed to God about Lazarus. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of these people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you've sent me. Lazarus, come forth. And homeboy just (laughs) walked on out of the grave. Lazarus, come forth. Dead things come to life. Sick things come to health. Finances be restored. Child, come home. Marriage, healed. Cancer, gone. Hurt, forgiven. Lazarus, come forth. And there he stood. I want to set the scene for this moment because we have the disciples sisters, the Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, 
They're watching this. And it's undeniable because he had been dead. And they're thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> he just walked out of the tomb. What? No doubt there was a hush that went through the crowd. Jesus had said from the beginning, it's not going to end in death. It is going to end in glory. And he consistently reminded those in the story of what was going to happen. None of their emotions happened. None of their frustration was valid in the end. Now we're human and we have those things. But in the end, what Jesus said in the beginning came to pass. The last thing he says in the story is unbind him and let him go. I think that's powerful because here they had prepared his body. They had put him in the tomb and all of these things. And um, Jesus is stepping in and he's saying, not so fast. <laughs> I appreciate you guys being so thorough, but let's take all that stuff off of him. I just feel like this is a powerful perspective for you who are facing a Lazarus. Your Lazarus has a Jesus and he is very involved, intimately involved. He knows things are going to happen before they even happen. And he knows things that have happened and you haven't even heard about yet. In every single one of these things, he will use for his glory. Your Lazarus has a purpose. A couple of things I just want to bring out in closing that I just think is cool. Lazarus loved Jesus. It talks about Jesus loving Lazarus, but Lazarus loved Jesus. This um, reminded me of our series on Job. Lazarus loved Jesus. And a lot of times we think if we are followers of Jesus, you know, this isn't going to happen to us. It's not us. I mean, he's going to deliver us. Well, he allowed Job to go through a lot to encourage us. Jesus loved Lazarus, but Lazarus loved Jesus. All that thinking about, you know, God's going to keep everything bad from happening to me is just not true. I mean, Jesus himself died and was resurrected. He didn't spare his, his own self. Sometimes God chooses people like Lazarus and Mary and Martha because he loves them so much. And he knows that they can handle a Lazarus-like story. The next chapter says this, and then I'll close. John 12, which is after John 11. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Let me get this straight. <laughs> you let me die. <laughs> you could have saved me. You let me die. And the next chapter, we're having Chipotle together. What? Lazarus was the right choice for that object power lesson from Jesus. Because although he allowed Lazarus to literally get sick, die, and be resurrected, Lazarus did not leave him. He reclined with him a little time later at the table. What if God's chosen you to face this Lazarus? What if you are Lazarus? I tell this in a little bit different story because I think in a world that's full of emotion and thoughts and feelings and we worship and idolize and bow down and kiss our feelings. I think sometimes we need to just remind ourselves, pull all that back, peel it away and focus on the truth of the words of the Lord and apply them to your situation. And that's how we know that we'll make it through. <laughs> that help you guys today? Did that help you? I love that. Love.
I love that. Lord, we love you today. I pray that this message brought encouragement, hope, a fresh perspective to those that are feeling real caught up in my feelings. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would encourage, strengthen, and help them. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you became flesh and dwelt among us, Lord. We thank you for those red letter verses, God. We thank you, Lord, because they are so life-giving to us. We love you. We trust you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, come back after the break, and I'll finish this out. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Autumn, and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Autumn at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back with a testimony. Love this testimony. Love it. And it goes really perfectly with what we just talked about. She says, a few years ago, I experienced back-to-back miscarriages. My husband and I decided to take a break as it was too much emotionally to possibly go through again. Oh, totally get it. We felt very stuck. So my husband altered his career path. I also switched up a few things in my life and went back to school. Fast forward four years. I'm at a new job. My husband has become a firefighter and we decided to start trying again. We're more joyful. Our marriage has grown stronger and our trust in God is so much deeper. We, of course, desire a family, but this time God has given us such a sense of peace and calm no matter what the outcome. And, you know, sometimes God just needs to get you to that place. Are you idolizing that thing or are you trusting in that pregnancy test? Are you trusting in me? That's what happened to me and my husband. It was like, are you idolizing adoption or do you trust me, the God who gave you the concept of adoption? You know, I love that this whole testimony doesn't end in, and we're pregnant and we have five kids. Although I love those testimonies. This is different because they're praising God, even though that hasn't happened yet. And that is where God blesses when our hearts are saying, God, I don't get it. But you know what? I trust you no matter what, no matter what. I trust you. That is a beautiful sacrifice of ourself. It's literally living as a self-sacrifice. I love that. Okay. Question. Can you explain the saying, love the sinner, hate the sin? Well, to me, this is, you know, I feel like this is pretty self-explanatory, but I have learned over the years that there are people in my life that I love because it says that Jesus was a friend of sinners, okay? He loves sinners. Thank God, because that means he loved me. (laughs) But just because we love the person does not mean that we have to love something that they're doing. And I think, you know, that was the uh, first and greatest commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. You can love your neighbor no matter what they do and not love what they do. And I think this is where we've kind of lost the art of disagreement. We think, oh, you're doing that. Oh, I can't love you. When really, that's not what that commandment says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would you give up on you if you were doing something that you knew that you weren't supposed to? No, you wouldn't. 
How would you love yourself? That is how you should love your neighbor. So, and there's a lot of things that can go into that, you know, if they're, it's very nuanced. But the question was, can you explain love the sin or hate the sin? And that is what I would say. There's a lot of people in my life. I don't agree with hardly anyone 100% of the time. (laughs) But there's people in my life that maybe would choose to operate in a different way. That doesn't mean that I throw them away because they're making a mistake. But I don't have to like the mistake in order to love them. Make sense? I hope it does. That was a really good question. Last thing, ending on a high note. What are your thoughts? Amanda puts these out there on this is a totally horrible transition we need to figure out a better place for this would I rather go on a beach vacation or to the mountains hands down beach God lives at the beach I would go there every I go there right now actually I'm gonna go right now right this second I'm going I'm gonna go get on a plane (laughs) definitely beach all the time love you guys have an awesome week I'll see you right back here next week for the autumn mile show you guys are awesome Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.